I think the most important thing is that you are excited about whatever you're creating. I think people can tell when it's not authentic or when you're just doing something for views. Welcome to the Passion to Brand podcast, a show of real stories from people who turn their passions into thriving brands through social media. I'm Brett Johnson, founder of Passion to Brand. And I'm Dale Schaefer, founder of DaleSchaefer.com. Yoga has never been an activity that my body really connects with. Ever since I was a kid, I struggled with flexibility. Throughout my college tennis days, I would often incorporate yoga into daily habits in order to help with my flexibility. Yet I was never really able to connect with the practice. When I first connected with Adriana in the fall of 2021, I was intrigued by her message to look at yoga from an all around body, mind and spirit perspective. I immediately knew that I wanted to connect with her to learn more about her story and to see how this became such a passion for her. While I was like in this toxic relationship, yoga helped me to start like trusting my intuition. I started having these really intuitive dreams, um, especially on days that I had gone to these classes. And eventually it just empowered me to end that relationship. And within, you know, basically a month of getting divorced, I also quit my job and I went to Spain to take my first yoga teacher training. Yeah, and I know with your message, you're very into, you know, helping other women and helping other people feel empowered and, and helping them to be able to tap, uh, you know, into to their body, their mind, their spirit. I mean, that's 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 a huge message of, of what you're trying to produce and, and, and share. Um, was there something that you learned throughout this time, you know, studying, you know, the practice of yoga, something that you learned that really pushed you to make that a front and center message? Yeah, um, it, it's funny, like. Physical strength doesn't always necessarily translate into mental or emotional strength, but sometimes it does. And I think as I felt myself getting physically stronger and learning to do like, you know, not that doing a pose is going to make you a better person, but in a way, like being able to do these poses that I thought looked so challenging, um, it empowered me and it made me feel like, um, you know, like stronger is the, the word that comes to mind, but it made me feel more capable. And I think that knowing yourself and not hiding from your past or hiding from experiences that you've had, I think is so important. And I feel like sometimes we, you know, I was goth, I was punk rock, all that. I didn't understand why I was any of those things. I had eating disorders. I was a self-harmer. And in that first training, I mean, not that everyone's going to have this experience, but uh, okay, well, a little bit of backstory. Three days before I went to Spain, I did my Reiki level one and two attunements in the same day, which that's pretty unheard of. Usually after level one, you have a bare minimum of 21 days before you do level two. Yeah. Um, yeah. So doing it all in one day, like it was intense. But the thing that felt most intense was my Reiki master and my sister were both working on my heart at the same time. And I felt something like crack open. And then I was crying for three days straight. Not even kidding. Mm. Um, even when I first got to Spain, like I got to my hotel and I was instantly crying and I couldn't fully understand why I had just been through a divorce. Like, of course there were other reasons, but within two weeks of this training going on, I, I just had this huge epiphany of like exactly what happened and how it affected me and why I was the way I was. Because mm. like I said, I did that 180. I wanted to like, just forget that I had ever been <laughs> weird or goth or whatever. Mm, yeah. And um, it just put everything into perspective for me. So I know that therapy can do that for people. But uh, for me, it was yoga and it was Reiki and just giving myself time and space to be on my own. Um, I think all of that was really important. But 
just that little bit of perspective and just that little bit of space for some people can make such a huge difference. So that's why for me, it's so important to get people empowered. And um, what you'll hear a lot, I think anyone will hear this a lot if you're in a healing space like yoga or like Reiki, is people will say, thank you so much. You healed my back or you, you know, helped me figure this out or you whatever. But at the end of the day, it's not the practitioner that's doing anything. It's not your teacher. It's not your Reiki master. All they're doing is opening up the space for you to heal yourself. It's really important to like put that responsibility back on the person who's receiving the healing because it is empowering when you feel like, yeah, I, I did do this myself. Yeah. And I am a huge proponent of, of meditation. And, and I think it's really, really important in my life. It's been played a huge uh, role in my life over the past couple of years, you know, and, and I really believe, you know, I'm seeing the benefits that it does produce, um, you know, actually it was funny. My wife had me do, she, she stumbled across your YouTube uh, channel and she, uh, found, I guess you had posted a meditation for, for gratitude. And that's really what, uh, something that we're, we're focusing on. And, and part of my daily exercises is being grateful. And so we had actually done your daily meditation, uh, on your YouTube channel. So that, that was awesome. Uh, I'm not flexible, <laughs> you know, and, uh, it's painful, <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, can you maybe, uh, just on the side, you know, kind of tell me what, uh, what am I doing wrong? Having to be flexible to do yoga is like one of the biggest myths out there. Um, yes, for certain like party trick poses. Yeah. You may need to be flexible already for it, but those poses aren't really the goal of the practice. Mm -hmm. The goal is just to, you know, I, there's the, a sutra that's, um, I will butcher the Sanskrit, but it's Thira Sukhan Asana. It basically means like every posture should be steady, easy, and sweet. So when you're in a pose and you're forcing it and you're like really trying so hard or your ego's getting in the way and you're upset because you can't do it, then that means that you're actually not in the practice of yoga. You're just like doing a pose. Um, and even just starting slow with like a short practice, like a 10 minute a day, not push yourself too hard. I mean, that's literally how I started. I just did sun salutations and that was it. Thank you so much. We'll give that a shot. <laughs> uh, if you can kind of share a little bit about how has the practice, I guess, of meditation played into um, your yoga practice? Yeah, meditation is tough for me, but I, I do find that it's really important and I do find that it's really healing. Um, I just can't always sit and listen to nothing. Um, right. I, I love breath work and also listening to like binaural beats meditations. Um, that is, it just puts you into this like really easy state that I can't get into without, or it feels like I can't get into without it. Mm. Um, but yeah, I can't say that I've done one style of meditation long enough to say like, this is the one, but I know for me, like that's what works either guided breath work or binaural beats. That's interesting. Yeah. So of course, you know, kind of circling back to your story, you're pursuing the, the, the yoga practice, you're figuring out um, you know, what all it entails. You're getting all your certifications. You're learning more about what this looks like, uh, from a career standpoint. Um, you know, all of a sudden you start to think about how do I actually get this out to people and, and share this message of empowerment, uh, with people through yoga. So take us back, uh, real quick to the moment where you decided to go virtual on social media and kind of walk us through that a bit. 
Yeah. So I'm going to walk it back a bit. But in Spain, I became like best friends with this girl literally at the airport. And everyone at this training thought that we were already friends. We'd come there together because we became such best friends. So she had like over a thousand Instagram followers. And back then I was like, how? And she's actually like great on Instagram and YouTube and all the things now too. Um, But anyway, so when I got home, I realized I couldn't really teach yet because I didn't know what I was doing. It was a great experience, the exact experience I needed. But I immediately went into a second training. And then after that, started teaching. And around that time, this teacher who I admired and who had just started to build a following was opening up a studio and she asked me to teach there. Um, And as part of that, she was like doing photo shoots of all the teachers so that they would have content once the studio opened. And so I did this shoot with her and like throughout, I was like asking her questions and getting her advice. And pretty much that is exactly what sparked me to actually take social media seriously because I saw her doing it. Mm. Um, I think at the time she had like maybe 10 to 15,000 followers, but Mm. back then I didn't know anyone who had done that. So it was like, you know, pretty exciting. But anyway, I took her advice. I ran with it. And then, um, yeah, now it's like become my whole life. Yeah. And so I guess your friend that had the thousand followers at that time, feel free, plug, plug your account for, for people yeah. to listen to. Um, let me just make sure. I think it's Kaylee.Daniels, but yeah. Um, let me see. Okay. Yeah. It is Kaylee.Daniels. So K-A-Y-L-I-E dot D-A-N-I-E-L-S. Awesome. I'm sure that's, that's helpful. Of course, people who are following along your journey and love to see how, you know, seeing where you're at right now, seeing, you know, the person that helped, uh, motivate you and inspire you, that would be, uh, you know, definitely, definitely a big part of your story. So that's awesome. Well, of course, you know, I'm always curious, right? Seeing, you know, it's easy for me to, as we're talking today, to know where you're at today and to see, you know, where you're at today. It's just truly um, inspiring, right? It's just, it's just crazy. But what I always like to hear about is day one, Adriana, right? Five, six years ago, right? Did you know what you were doing? I didn't even post anything instructional in the beginning. I I would just find different yoga challenges and I would just do them. I didn't necessarily have the intent to like win anything. I kind of just wanted a reason to post. You sort of build community within the challenges, which is funny, but it, it gives you a reason to post consistently. And that is literally the hardest thing to do is just to be consistent on social media. So I feel like doing that was really helpful for me. Um, and I would highly recommend it for anyone, you know, if you can consistently show up on social media, you will probably grow. Like that's just how it is. Yeah. So that was, that was pretty much what it was like in the beginning. And then I remember like the first company that was like, Hey, we want to send you some free legging. I was like, what? And now fast forward, I have like more free leggings than I know what to do. (laughs) (laughs) Now, did you take, did you, did you work with that person? That first person that reached out? Yeah, I did. It was like this woman out of Canada. She had this like legging company. Um, but yeah, I took some photos, like I had gone to New Orleans for something. So I took a bunch of pictures in New Orleans and, um, she wrote a little like blog post about me. It's really cute. Um, so yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And I'm sure, you know, you know, starting out early, the, the very first brand that reaches out to you and, and the very first company that reaches out to you probably makes you feel good, right? It's like, um, oh, someone, someone recognizes me, right? Yeah, absolutely. Back then it was like really exciting, you know? Um, and now like, no, it's a main source of income for me. So I don't, um, necessarily do anything for free anymore. But back then it was like, I was a small account and I didn't even realize that that was a possibility. So Adriana, I want to come back to, uh, something you said. So you, uh, were approached by someone about actually teaching in a studio, correct? Yeah, exactly. 
So at this point, you're doing both social media and you're actually teaching physical classes. Is that correct? At that point, I was mostly teaching physical classes. Um, I think at that point, I also still had a regular job. Um, I'm pretty sure I did. I worked at like a hotel. I worked in hotels for such a long time. But yeah, so I, I was just teaching on the side and then eventually like trying to get away from having to work a regular job. And um, I went back and forth between like full-time teacher to regular job several times. Um, mm. And I, I moved to Florida like six years ago or seven years ago, something like that. Um, I lived there for three years. And the first job that I got was supposed to be a teaching job, but it wound up being um, in a hotel. Or like could not get away from hotels. <laughs> so you, I guess you were using that hotel, I mean, working that, that full-time job. I mean, that's what you were, I guess, were utilizing in order to kind of cultivate that passion to something that would be sustainable. Yeah, exactly. And in, in that case, like that job, it was this gorgeous, like five-star resort on the beach. And oh, nice. I also did their social media for a while and I ran their like fitness center. So, um, it was, they say that like people with ADHD, they like find weird little jobs for them that have nothing to do with each other. And yeah, running a fitness center and social media have nothing to do with each other. <laughs> <laughs> it's, but on the end of it, it's given you good practical experience, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in the end, yeah. I mean, being able to run their account was awesome. Um, they had such a fun like brand personality. So it was cool to get to experiment a little bit with that. So what, what from that, I guess, working at the hotel, you know, and being in classes, at least, did you learn? I mean, I know now you, you have a studio of your own, um, right? Yeah. I, I co-own a studio with uh, two other women. Yeah. So what, 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 I guess, from that experience at the hotel, did you learn that now translates, uh, into, you know, the studio that, uh, that you co-own? Um, I learned a lot there and I would say like having a consistent schedule was really important for me then. And, um, and it still is now like being able to consistently post whatever, whatever content we're going to do. If it's like reels twice a week, you know, one regular post once a week and one something else, another day a week, whatever it is, we stick to it every single week. So it's mm. um, consistent. And we haven't had the same kind of growth that um, Instagram is really hard to grow on nowadays. Mm. Um, but with that spa, we were able to grow really quickly. Um, and I think whenever I left, like the numbers kind of tapered out and out stayed the same. Um, but for the studio, since we kind of just flipped the account, uh, we changed the name and everything back in, I want to say May we rebranded. Um, it's been slow growth. Of course, you know, we're still growing, but, but Instagram, I definitely would say if anyone is trying to grow on social media, that's probably the hardest one to grow on at this point. Interesting. Was that the first uh, social media platform that you utilized, you know, in, with your own personal brand? Yeah. So part of the reason that they hired me was because of my social media presence. So, I mean, I already had built up my own brand on Instagram um, and then was helping them build theirs. But yeah, so it is, it is definitely the hardest one to, to grow on right now, unless you are really good at playing with all of their toys <laughs> really consistently. What, what, uh, platform would you suggest? TikTok. TikTok. Okay. Yeah. What, and, and why TikTok? Um, it's so easy to grow on TikTok. If you can be consistent, you will absolutely grow. And the thing is you don't actually necessarily have to be that consistent. If you only post once a week, like it is consistent, but that's only four short videos a month. So it's, it's really easy. And 
it doesn't necessarily matter if you have followers or not. Your content can get seen by millions of people, um, which is crazy. And that you don't have that opportunity on Instagram or on any other platform. Um, you do have to already have a following in order for people to see your content. It's kind of like winning a lottery, but people win it all the time. I've seen people grow to a million followers in a year. I myself grew to 100,000 in a year. So, wow. Yeah. And I still haven't hit 100,000 on Instagram. Yeah, which I know, I know the algorithm, you know, is different between the two platforms. You said you've been on it for, for about a year. You know, what, I guess, what prompt, what prompted you to get, go, go on TikTok? Um, what's funny is I actually, they have this creator like learning program. I got lucky enough to be added to that at the beginning of the pandemic. And I was at home. Um, I wasn't seeing really most of my clients anymore other than a few that I would see online. Um, and I wasn't teaching any public classes. So I had all the time in the world to just make videos and like learn about TikTok. Interesting. So you just totally invested in the world of TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like a, like a heavy investment. That's true. You've had uh, some videos uh, go viral, like over a million views, correct? I have. Yeah. So what do you, what's the, what do you think was the key to that? Um, I think the most important thing is that you are excited about whatever you're creating. I think people can tell when it's not authentic or when you're just doing something for views. Um, I haven't had too many that went viral, I would say. Um, I've had some with high views, but um, but the ones that did really well, it was something that I was just excited about. I like the idea popped into my head and I was like, I'm just going to do this right now. And really didn't think that it would, you know, take off because I didn't put all that much time into it. Um, and yet somehow, like whatever it was, whatever topic I was talking about or whatever I was teaching, it just really resonated with people. Yeah, which is so interesting because that's what we've heard from other guests as well, right? We're, we're asking these questions about the virality of, you know, of videos, whether it's reels or TikTok videos, you know, sure. how these things are going viral. I mean, they're all saying the same thing. It's like, they just spent, you know, they just spent a few minutes putting together this, this video that they honestly didn't even know was going to do anything. And then all of a sudden it now reaches millions of people. And that's so interesting because a lot of people spend a lot of time on creating these videos and they get frustrated and they're like, well, I guess my message or what I'm trying to produce on social media is not going to get out to people. Um, you know, and I can imagine that's frustrating because you've probably been there. <laughs> Absolutely. So with TikTok and what's, um, what is extremely frustrating about TikTok is that it almost works like gambling a little bit. So every time you put out a video, it's going to more people. And if you have one thing that's trending, then everything else that you put out for a while is going to get higher views. Then the algorithm like wants to chase someone else and they want to give them a little bit of like the spotlight. And so as they put out content, their stuff does better, which doesn't necessarily mean that yours will get lower views, but usually it, it kind of comes in waves. So you'll have really high views and then a big spike in followers and then waves where your following stays the same and your views are kind of low. If you're paid to create content, if you're ever on that like low, like downswing, yeah, it can be frustrating. Your views can be lower. And when you're being paid for that content, obviously you want it to do well, but sometimes it's just timing, like whether or not you're in favor with the algorithm or not. Yeah. Which I can imagine for someone, you know, you obviously took time to, to learn, you know, TikTok. I know you only spent a couple, you know, not, not too long learning it, but at the end of the day, this is valuable information, you know, something like that um, can really help a content creator to continue to produce content, you know, knowing that, hey, it's not your videos. It's not, you know, you're not producing 
poor content, you know, it's just the algorithm, right? The algorithm is, 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 you know, how it fluctuates. That's, that's really important information to know. Yeah. And I mean, the other side of it is that it could be your content. You know, you may be boring for some people. You may keep the camera angle the same the whole time or the lighting could be bad or the sound could be boring. You know, there, there's other things that that come into play. But even then, like you can have a video that you put out, it gets really low views. And then a month later, that topic is trending and suddenly it's at like a million plus views. So that's why they always say, like, do not delete your content. I've had things that three months after I posted it, suddenly, like I'm getting comments on and I'm like, how are you people seeing this? But, um, but yeah, so it's, it's really, it's, it's kind of encouraging that that can happen, but it's also discouraging in the moment when you post it and you don't get that immediate gratification. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, I can totally, totally see that. Now you kind of mentioned, kind of, um, talked about this a little bit, but you know, putting out the right content is, is obviously very important. You want, you want to put out content that you think other people can can resonate with. Um, what type of content do your followers, you feel like your followers respond to the most? So a little bit of everything. Um, I, I do a lot of work with people who've had injuries and with athletes. So a lot of my content is um, centered around like gaining mobility for athletes or regaining mobility after injury or just getting out of pain. Um, so some of that can do really well because obviously there's a lot of people with injuries and things like that. Uh, but then sometimes I'll talk about something with like Ayurveda or maybe chakras or emotions, things like that, mental health stuff. Um, that stuff can suddenly become trending too. It just depends. My page is highly educational. That's the vast majority of what I post is educational content. Um, but I would say finding a mix of evergreen content, which will always be um important or it will always be impactful and then also some things that are trending so uh, using a trending sound or um, a topic about something that's going on right now in the world um, those trending videos can do really well whereas evergreen content is just going to be like your staple you want the majority of it i or i at least want the majority of it to be evergreen so like evergreen content also makes the monetization part of that a little bit more predictable as well I would say so. Yeah. Um, if you're always posting trends and that's all you post, that's fine, but you're not necessarily going to get more followers or like increase your watch time just with trends. Um, but evergreen content that people are interested in and will always be interested in, that's going to, I can't say it's going to guarantee higher views. Nothing will guarantee it, but, um, but yeah, usually that is better for what you're monetizing. Yeah, which uh, of course is, um, you know, what, uh, what a lot of people want to do, you know, on social media and, and obviously what we, what we help people, uh, at passion to brand, uh, you know, cultivate their passion and actually become uh, branded through their passions. A big part of that, of course, is, is creating a personal brand, which produces an income. Um, so curious, uh, Adriana, if you can kind of share a few ways that maybe use your social media outlets, um, to make, uh, an income. Yeah. Um, I would say first and foremost, like my page wasn't specifically made to be monetized. Um, but I do like partnering with brands. That's the main thing that I do is I partner with brands. Um, and at this point I haven't been aggressive about reaching out to brands that I want to work with. I've kind of just let the brands come to me. Um, but I think a big important part of that is having a, a good media kit with all the right information, um, screenshots of your insights or your analytics, if it's TikTok, um, your rates, if you want to include that, that's fine. Otherwise, that's something that you're going to negotiate later. 
um, but a good bio and basically just everything that you think um, whoever's hiring, whether it's a PR company or the brand itself would want to know. Um, I found that to be really important. And then also like being pretty realistic about what you should be getting paid. Because when you look at it, like creating a TikTok for one person is it's a lot of work, but it's not such a big deal. It's not that expensive. Mm -hmm. um, whereas if you were creating a TikTok and you had to hire, you know, a camera crew and actors and probably hair and makeup artists, this is going to be like a $50,000 project. So when you are accepting a hundred bucks for a video, you just like kind of cut yourself out of a lot more money. Yeah. So know your value. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely know your value and know what the brand is getting out of it because it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's obviously the very a very important thing that you you said, Adriana, because um a lot of times content creators, they they don't know their value, right? A lot of times they they enjoy creating the content that they're creating and a brand reaches out and offers them some money, right? And they don't even know what they're producing and what it's worth, right? And so knowing that value is a huge, very important piece. Uh, as you're creating content that a lot of people are liking, um, I mean, it takes a lot. It takes a big crew to produce some of these, you know, some some things that you can produce for a, for for a brand. They would have to hire a lot of people to 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 get that type of content. Absolutely, yeah. It's so many people that they would have to hire, and probably like paying for the location. It's so much. So really, like your time is worth so much, and then on top of it, your audience is worth so much. If they have no followers on TikTok, like. Sure, of course, TikTok, like I said, it's a lottery. It might go viral. However, you've already put in the time. You've already like shot all these videos. You've built this following. You've built this community. You've built this trust. So now what they're really buying is not only your time, your editing skills, your you know videography skills, whatever it is, um, but they're also buying your audience. Yeah, yeah, so true. So I know, I know you had mentioned, you know, the, the, the working with brands, you know, as a piece of, of how you monetize, obviously that's not the goal. It's not the sole goal of, of your content. Um, kind of talk to me about how, you know, you mix the content you put out through your virtual platforms, like social media. How does that relate to, um, you know, getting paid, having an income through, uh, through the physical spaces? Yeah. So, um, it's funny. I don't want to see the majority, but I think it is the majority of my clients that I have taught yoga to, um, have actually found me through social media and I've gotten some really incredible opportunities that have come from social media. So things like teaching at festivals. Um, I mean, the festivals, that's, that's kind of the biggest thing. It's opportunities, it's credibility, it's, you know, finding clients possibly if you, um, do something like that. Um, but also, you know, people buying your services or your products, if you sell something yourself, um, if you sell like courses, things like that, having a platform, having, you know, an audience to sell to is another really helpful way, you know, to monetize. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. There's a lot, lot of different ways to, to monetize and to make, uh, you know, money through, through social media. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have a virtual studio and a yoga teacher training and, I, I know that like I've done a lot of trainings and I, I'm, I'm pretty knowledgeable about yoga. I've been teaching forever. Uh, but I know that the fact that I have however many followers on social media is just one more way that people like start to know, like, and trust you. So people are more likely to take my training, not because of all my certifications, but because of my social media presence, uh, which is crazy. But it, you know, in this case, I know that the training that I teach is really good. Yeah. So let's, I guess, let's take a minute, reflect back for a bit, right? We've been, we've been at this for 
was it six, seven years now at this point, you've obviously done a lot, right? Right. You're, you, you had the dream of being at ADC as, as a kid. And here you are now in front of hundreds of thousands of people, uh, you know, obviously doing things right. Um, is there anything that you can look back and maybe wish you had done differently? I know how important consistency is, and yet I am so not consistent. Um, and I, I go through phases where I am, and then I stop for a while. So um, I would say being like ultra consistent and keeping that consistency from the start. Um, I think I would be looking at much higher numbers at this point, which again, is not the most important thing, but um, but it definitely helps. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say not allowing like people's opinions of me or people's opinions of my account, you know, trolls, there's always going to be trolls, not letting them stop me from creating content. Um, and it hasn't happened too many times, but I've had a few phases where like one of my best friends passed away and I had like all these people like just with their, not that they meant the comments to be like super rude, but the way that it came off to someone who was grieving, it was like, okay, I don't even want to be on social media anymore. You know, mm. it definitely made me take a, a pretty long break. Yeah, you're right. There's, there are all, always people who look at your success and want to bring you down. I mean, I, I, I feel like people see you do things right and are like, um, you know, good, good for, good for Adriana. Um, you know, but that's not possible. She's living in a fairy tale and I'm sure there's probably people listening to this podcast, um, today who, who hear your story and, and they're saying maybe a similar thing where it's like, Hey, good for Adriana. Um, but, but I would never be able to do that. Like I, I can't do that. Um, what what would you say to that listener who who has maybe that mentality? I would say if I can do it, then literally anyone can. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. It's easy at the end. I mean, it's not that it's easy because it takes low effort. It's just it's just easy because it doesn't really take a lot of education or work or even all that much time. And I would say, you know, like in the beginning, I I kind of got made fun of by my friends because I switched my Instagram username to yoga with Adriana instead of like whatever it was before that. And, um, you know, (laughs) I definitely got made fun of a bunch and they were like, oh, please, like you can't make money as a yoga teacher. You're not going to create a social media, you know, presence, whatever. And then I kind of did. Yeah. (laughs) You proved it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I would say if I can do it, literally anyone can. I mean, I started out with absolutely no lighting equipment, like nothing nothing fancy. iPhones weren't even that advanced back then. And, you know, yeah, if you have a decent phone, you can pretty much do anything now. Yeah. It's a, it's a different world today, isn't it? Oh my gosh. Yes, definitely. (laughs) So Adriana, you shared with us previously that, uh, I think you either have or are working on a nonprofit, uh, that you're trying to develop. Yeah. So, um, my studio is connected to a nonprofit, um, the Cupcake Girls here in Las Vegas. And they are a really amazing organization. Um, they work with women who have been trafficked primarily and sex workers. Mm. And um, a lot of their work is on like reducing the stigma, but a lot of it is also like actionable work. They work with these women um, with therapy and with, um, you know, things like yoga. It's, it's a really awesome organization. Um, but they are in the process of fundraising um, this like kind of side project called Local for All. And they've already purchased this huge building with a rooftop and it's in downtown Las Vegas in the arts district. And so we've got the building purchased, but now we're in the process of fundraising to create the center. And basically it's two different sides. So one side is local for all, the other side is wellness for all. So our uh, Solstice Yoga, our company is, is involved with that. 
um, will be running their yoga studio, but they'll also have a salon. They'll have tattoo artists coming in um, to help cover up branding, you know? Yeah. So, and that's a really emotional process. Um, I think it's important to have a therapist there, be in a non-judgmental space and in a space where people actually understand what you're going through. Um, Whereas in a regular tattoo parlor, like I don't think anyone is really equipped to, well, maybe some people are, but the majority of tattoo parlors may not be equipped to understand and, and deal with what they're experiencing. Um, so that's one of the services that they'll provide. And then the other side is like a, a food hall that is um, a portion of everything sold everywhere within the building goes towards Cupcake Girls. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we are really, really excited. So you got your hands full at this point, Adrian. I mean, you got uh, you got your social media that you're, of course, continue to grow actively, putting videos out consistently across all platforms. And obviously you're managing co-managing the studio you got services that you're providing to people individually you got this nonprofit that you're working with a lot of exciting things coming up of course we appreciate you being on the show uh today and allow us the opportunity to, to hear your story i know a lot of people are going to connect uh with you and resonate with uh with your story um what's the best way for for people to follow along uh, your journey and to to get involved um i would say either instagram or tiktok um i'm yoga with adriana on both um, my website is yogawithadriana.com. I'm pretty easy to find. Awesome. Well, again, we appreciate uh, appreciate you being on the, the show today and uh, look forward to following along on your journey. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to have you. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the show this week. If you're not a subscriber to the Passion to Brand podcast, please do subscribe. If you're interested in being on the podcast, please write to me at brett at passiontobrand.com or send me a message on Instagram at passion2brand. This episode was produced by Candace Bodenbender with Max Drive Marketing and music composed by Trevor Michael Music. Thanks again for listening.